0: It comes like a fleeting in memory. Whatever you grab just turns, just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with strangers from the gathered room. a dream that you get to make me awful. A passing note of the song. A glimpse of the ship's sea. Think you saw it, saw it, you Think you see it, you see it.
1: Alright, let's do it. Yes. Um, Welcome to the shores of ignorance. Yeah. We're back. Uh, episode 37 was so much fun, and I felt like we really, I feel like we came back to our stride. I think we were kind of struggling yeah. there for a while. Yeah, and I just want to say thanks to everyone who has sent us
0: just uh, feedback on that episode. Yeah. Um, it was really cool to hear. I felt, I, I did feel like we kind of got our stride back, and I think mm-hmm. it, it was about allowing ourselves to sort of approach some things more head on and not try to tiptoe around things. Mm-hmm. Um, It was really encouraging. Mm -hmm. Like I felt encouraged afterward. I felt like uh, there'd been some cleansing release in that conversation.
1: I mean, just, just to be fair to ourselves. I mean, like a lot of these things you and I were really working through and trying to understand all the voices that are kind of speaking into this. And I think it was, it was really confusing for us in that way. So I don't want to be unfair. And it's not that we have, all this figured out, but I feel like we've kind of gotten to a place where we're fairly comfortable now and we know that we're going to hit some landmines, but Mm -hmm. we're kind of okay with that because, you know, we see that the, we see that how, if if you take it one way, then that, that could, so it could be perceived as that, but we're trying to, I feel like we can pursue things in better faith now that we kind of have a, a a sort of grasp on some of this, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. I think
0: so. Yeah, I think so. It, it, it was a welcome, whatever feeling I had after that, after listening back to the episode, Mm -hmm. um, made me aware of something else that I was feeling that I don't think that I was aware that I was feeling Hmm. because it wasn't, it didn't stand in relief of anything else. Okay like a lot of times we need contrast to be able to see really what's there. Mm-hmm. we need to see what it it compares against yeah. and since I hadn't felt that sort of feeling of maybe freedom is the word sort of like freedom to be open
2: mm-hmm.
0: on our podcast for a, for a bit, um I didn't notice that I was feeling this way, but in general in my life i think i'm i'm I feel this pressure, this sort of weight of what and what i think it is is this weight of information coming in mm. from all angles um whether it's uh you know covid-19 related um race related presidential election related um just strains on family and other relationships related um it, there's so much information much of it very confusing coming in all the time and i think because it's so hard to make sense of we're not we're not re- we're not cycling this information through, um, and so because we're not cycling it through, it just sort of builds up inside mm-hmm. and it becomes this this feeling of 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 weight on us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or uh, maybe I won't generalize to us, but I mean that's what I was feeling, yeah um, and that was relieved a little bit, so I hope for more of that because I don't think that you. You know, whatever information you're bringing into your head, you can't, you can't really put it down until you're able to process it. And mm-hmm. you can't really process it. I don't think without talking it through yeah. out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not doing that uh, regularly, it, it, it almost becomes a poison. I had this, this, I, this image of, a of, of an overwatered plant, mm. you know, you give it too much input too much water input to that plant it's going to die the same way that it would with no water mm-hmm. um and that's kind of how it feels because I'm, the water's not draining like nothing's going through because it's very hard to process yeah and not allowing myself a lot of outlets for for these things in terms of um conversation or you know i haven't been writing much music that's that's a common outlet for me and i haven't been doing it very much mm-hmm. um so that was it that was interesting
1: and plus we're all locked up in our houses for right. the most part, you know, I mean, not completely right now, but so there is that we don't, we kind of do get into sort of the echo chambers or, you know, just intaking information mm-hmm. nonstop because, you know, you don't, ha- don't have the tools to maybe process at the time or something. So, yeah. um,
0: yeah, I just, I want to encourage myself and us, whoever's listening to try to make a point to talk about the things that are confusing you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Find somebody that you can talk to about it. Uh, I I think we're all confused. Mm -hmm. We have to be. Um, And we need to talk about it to sort it and to process it. So find somebody that you can do that with and and make a point to do it. Otherwise, time goes by and and you're going to start feeling sick.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's a hard thing, too. Whenever you do have people telling you what you should think Mm -hmm. whenever you have not processed or worked through what you think. And I think that's hard. I mean, I'm really resistant to that. So that's something that's really frustrating to me when someone tells me what I should think. Um, I just don't think that's, uh, yeah, I just, I really kind of Mm -hmm. reject that altogether. (laughs) And I think it's frustrating for people because they're like, what, you disagree. I'm like, No, I haven't processed this. Like, I need to process this. I I might agree. I might disagree. Or I might be somewhere in between all that, you know?
0: But you feel like you need to arrive at the conclusion on your own.
1: Yeah, and I need to ask the questions. Even if they might be stupid to somebody, I still need to ask the questions, you know? I mean, you know, I feel that way with COVID. I feel that with the race stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, BLM. I mean, all the different things that are mixed up into that. It's like, no, I need to ask these questions. They might be stupid, and you might know a lot about this, and you might be right, but... I still need to go through that process.
0: That's something that's really interesting to me that that I'm seeing. I want to get to this quote Hmm. from Eric Weinstein that I think really speaks to this, but I have been seeing in the, what I would almost describe as subliminal messages. And I'll say that it's because I think we've all noticed probably that if you're like on Instagram, for example, you start clicking through your stories, you're going to see a certain percentage of here's what you should think. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's the framework for what you should think. And it's all very bite-sized because you can't go very deep in a single slide. Um, But I've been noticing that there is a certain... There's a certain thing that you're supposed to think, which is, um, if you have any questions about this, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: go educate yourself. And the idea is you shouldn't be asking me or you shouldn't be asking this other person. You should be like, this stuff is so obvious that you need to just know it. If you don't, then you need to go work on yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a really pernicious idea hmm. to like shut down people's natural curiosity and, um, natural inclination to ask questions about things that they don't understand. Mm mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why that little feature is built into this current, well, I'll call it a set of emotional instructions. Yeah. That's, and that's actually not mine. That's Eric, Eric Weinstein's. Mm -hmm. Um, Should I read this quote? Yeah, yeah, totally. So this was something that Eric Weinstein said on a podcast with Ted Cruz, Mm -hmm. which we could pause for a second (laughs) and just marvel Uh, at those words that just came out of my mouth. Uh Um, So Ted Cruz apparently has a podcast. I didn't know this before, Mm -hmm. but Eric Weinstein, who is a uh, progressive liberal. Yes. uh, Went on to Ted Cruz's podcast and they had a conversation
1: and actually a good conversation. It was very good. Yeah, it was very good.
0: Um, It allowed me to see Ted Cruz in a a bit of a new light Mm -hmm. um, because I really only knew him from running against Beto. Mm -hmm. um, And living where we live in Austin, uh, it's Austin's very pro Beto or they Mm -hmm. were. Yeah. So there was a pretty clear position you were supposed to have on that. And at that time I wasn't really thinking much about politics, but Mm -hmm. it was clear that I was supposed to dislike Ted. (laughs)
1: It's very clear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, He was a devil from what I understood. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see to actually hear him speak. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it was one of Eric's better, what, what, would you say the word rant is
1: maybe applicable I think there's there was an element that I was really impressed with I think and Eric was the one who really led that in the discussion but mm-hmm. we'll go ahead and come back to that part yeah,
0: yeah. well, so I read this quote this is something he said that um is so whatever it was that I was just trying to 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 describe he made he made it clear to me hmm. I couldn't really figure out how to identify what it was, but he said, wherever you consume, he was talking about this problem that online life is constantly figuring out who you are and what you like and what you think, and they're feeding you more of it. Um, I think we talked a bit about that. Mm -hmm. So he said, wherever you consume your media, you're getting a constant set of emotional instructions and then he went on to say we don't practice critical feeling like we talk a lot about critical thinking but we don't practice critical critical feeling we don't know that most of our feelings are not our feelings but feelings we have inherited through daily programming um and i just thought that's that's exactly it it's an emotional instruction Mm -hmm. you know we spend so much time on social media sort of just passively you know we're not we're not being um very inquisitive. we're just sort of flipping through stuff and we're getting messages, however much we're thinking about them or questioning them. Yeah. And it, it ends up being a set of emotional instructions more than it is a set of, uh, of content.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, just to maybe make this clear to you guys, what that means, critical feeling. Uh, I think I can best describe it. Elia, when she was young, um, she's really in tune to other people and sometimes take on other people and how they feel. Um, and so we kind of noticed early on that, you know, when she would kind of go do something with a friend or someone, she would come back very different. And after a few times, we were just like kind of realizing, oh, okay, she's like taking on somebody else's, how they feel and, and taking it on as her own. And I think that's something that's a very valuable skill she has. She's very empathetic, you know, yeah, uh, and is aware of where people are and hurting. I mean, there's so many stories of her, like, Somebody's having a tough day and she just does something for them, you know, mm. it's like really special, you know, but I, it's something we've had to kind of, you know, talk to her about is like, you know, we, when you go and you're with other people, sometimes you end up taking on what other people feel or and how other people, well, I say think also, but, but that's not yours. You know, it's like, it's like you really are able to see that and recognize that, but that's a part of critical feeling is being able to see like, Oh, okay, no that's how they feel about that and then i can take it into me and i can think about and feel it and see how it how it how it works you know it's like but you don't have to take it into yourself you know yeah right and i think that's the part of critical feeling or that's how it makes sense to me does that so how it makes sense to you yeah it's a, i think it's a diffi-
0: difficult phrase to pin down but the thing that comes into my head is the 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 jungian idea of Feelings almost being alternate personalities.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, so your emotions are sort of a set of other versions of you mm-hmm. that can take sort of center stage, and um, that you have a relationship with these feelings and these emotions as yeah. as persons, mm-hmm. as people, um, and it, you have to give. You know, so an emotion comes on, like anger, for example. You have to give it its space in the spotlight, mm-hmm. if you suppress it, it becomes very dangerous. And when it finally does come back and it will overpower you,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but you, so you have to let it speak. You have to let it give it its voice, but then you also have to be able to say, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Like w- you're done for right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think, you know, uh, uh, in that way of talking about feelings, um, you know, I think that an empathetic person can sort of adopt a stowaway hmm. um, of, a, of another personality
2: yeah.
0: and uh, critical thinking in uh, sorry critical feeling i think would be recognizing that okay this isn't mine
2: mm-hmm.
0: or maybe it's something like mine um, but it's time to say that's enough with that one mm-hmm. and and to and to to push it to the side
1: yeah. Or even get to know it. it's like inviting it in, like here's this orphan feeling mm-hmm. that you have and you've never really encountered it before. It's like, instead of allowing it to take center stage, you kind of like, you know, welcome it in and kind of like engage with it a little right. bit, but you need space and time to do that. Because if you just kind of, uh, you know, take it on without having any like reference points, it's going to kind of like be overwhelming and take over. It's sort of like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, there was something else with that. I forgot. Yeah, I don't. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So when we are constantly receiving this set of emotional instructions mm-hmm. from whatever our, our particular brand of, <laughs> of algorithm that's feeding us the things that we're seeing, which is really interesting. I mean, I, I have noticed that Instagram is my main social media that I use, although I, I'm I'm very involved in Twitter now <laughs> as a passive reader, um, which we talked about. But um I have been noticing, and I, I, I didn't have a way to say it like until Eric gave me these words, these, Mm -hmm. these emotional instructions. I've been noticing this and and really for the past three months, I've just been screenshotting things Mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's too much. It's like, I feel there's something in my brain pings and says, there's something going on here. You're being, you're being instructed somehow, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but it's not obvious. So I've been screenshotting so I can go back when I'm have time to sit down and think and say, what is the message that's being given to me here? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's really important.
1: Let's break down one of those, like like, um, defund the police. So depending on where you live and what your social media is 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 filled with, you're going to have uh, a certain messaging that is coming at you. You know, Um, you know, for example, I mean, I think we can speak easiest from you know living in Austin, a more of a liberal place, like like what the messaging is on a broader scale that way. Yeah.
0: Can, can, can I use a different one? Yeah, yeah, maybe totally we can come yeah, back to that. Um,
1: but this is more recent, and, okay. and it
0: was pretty astounding to me. So um, the body cam footage from two of the police officers involved in George oh, wow. Floyd's yeah. death was leaked a couple of days ago by Daily Mail.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I would suspect that there are some listeners who don't know this yet Yeah, because the media, mainstream media... Is not talking
1: about it. Which is phenomenal. I mean, <clears throat> sorry, you, you're, yeah. you're making a point right now, but like this is the biggest thing outside of COVID that's happened this year. And it's somehow not there.
0: It's somehow responsible for the symbolism of all the news. Yeah. But it's not the news
1: anymore. Uh-uh. It's like, oh, we're, we're past that. We're on to. Yeah. We're past I that. Think, what does that even mean? We're past that. You know, it's like right. The, sorry.
0: Yeah. So. Depending on who you follow mm-hmm. and what the algorithm decides to surface of what they post, because you're not—if you follow someone, you might expect that you're going to see everything that they post, and that's not true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, depending on who you follow, depending on where you consume news, you may or may not know about this, and this is astounding.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so you're you're constantly captive. To some sort of emotional manipulation. Mm -hmm. So, and and maybe we could try to talk a little bit about why that is that the the, the media isn't covering this. Um, It was, I I will say, I did not watch all of it. Mm -hmm. I watched about half of it um, precisely because it was very emotionally taxing Mm -hmm. to watch. Um, Because you know, it's like we've all seen the final scene of this. Yeah. We've already all seen that. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that's where it's leading was really hard. Mm Um, but it also illuminates some really difficult truths that are incongruent to the narrative Mm -hmm. that we've been telling for the past several months.
1: Yeah. I would say it brings up maybe questions like bigger questions. Right. And I think it challenges some, some narratives of ideas that have been, uh, I want to be careful because I really want you guys to watch this for yourselves because, uh, It's not worth us like us telling you what to think about this because it's really, I think it's, I think it's something like we need to be able to, again, that's a part of like seeing the full picture. Like we're, we're presented with a lot of these half truths and then a lot of things are, are put on top of it or is spun in a certain way that it's fitting a narrative that, I mean, I, I you know, I'm just really frustrated with news in general. <clears throat> like, it's really hard for me. Like you and I both follow a lot of left and right and center stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just fascinating to see how the different perspectives spin and also speak into these dialogues, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's almost
0: at the extremes, at least, there are two completely different stories being told and there's no overlap. Mm-hmm. Almost. No overlap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, and that's a good point. Like it is not, I think with within either of our skill set to sort of break down what happened in that video or the importance of it. Um, and to the point that we've been talking about is like, we don't want to tell you how to think or anybody how to think. Mm Um, we are really interested in figuring out how to think
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and, um, in having, and, and doing that somewhat publicly.
2: Yeah.
1: So we're more morally displaying our working through it than right. telling you what to think. You right. know, I guess we, I mean, in the, inadvertently we are kind of like right. promoting a certain probably view or whatever. But I will say that if you...
0: How, do, how might I say this? It, it reveals that we don't... We have not known what we decided that we knew. Mm-hmm. And this could have a lot of people feeling very surprised and emotionally outraged. If the ultimate, um, conclusion of a court case does not end up being what, be we, what we, think it mm-hmm. surely will be, mm-hmm. um, for, for reasons that are, well, it is, I think still clear and perfectly obvious and mm-hmm. not refuted that what Derek Chauvin did was reprehensible mm-hmm. and wrong. Yeah. Um, but there's clearly more context. And Mm -hmm. when this goes to court, it's not going to be simple and straightforward. Yeah. So give me a trip problem. So I think it's really important that we constantly, Oh, what, what was it? I think it was that quote that I read last time that we, that we take the time to set the records straight. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is this critical feeling and saying, how is it that I feel right now? And how is that relevant to reality? Mm -hmm. And, Another thing, this is another curious one that I keep seeing going around is this post, something to the effect of, it's okay to change the way that you think and feel when new information comes in. Yeah. Um, The strange thing is that I'm seeing that post mostly within the same set of posts That are also demanding that you not ask questions and you go educate yourself. So there's something strange in that one to me. How does that work? That doesn't even make sense to me. The way that I understand it is that it is an admonition to, if you don't agree with me, then you need to be okay with changing your mind. Once (laughs) you understand what I have to say.
1: So basically say like, I'm right. And it's like, it's like you need to be on a place where you can be able to change your mind and be okay with that. I might be reading too far into it. Okay. That, that might okay. be an unfair, might unfair, be unfair interpretation. Okay. Gotcha. But
0: gotcha. I will say that it that is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. I mean, the words are true. It's the context that I find interesting about that one gotcha. that I keep seeing circulated. But the mm-hmm. words are true. It's You do need to recognize when there is new information. Mm-hmm. And that, that might be difficult enough given this phenomenon we're describing of these sort of bubbles, these media bubbles that we end up in. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to recognize when there is new information and have the, let's say the emotional stamina Mm -hmm. to understand how that changes, how you, how you feel, or maybe potentially invalidates previous feelings.
1: Well, maybe it's a problem of investment. You know, if, if you invest too much in the, in the beginning, it's harder to, Mm -hmm to divest yourself from that perspective or ideology. Right. So I think there's also a certain, um, being aware of how much you are investing. If, if you find yourself, uh, overly, I mean, again, it's good to be passionate and stuff like that, but it's also good to see whenever maybe you are overly passionate about something. I mean, I do this in business all the time. Like I would probably stay, start three businesses every day, every week, <laughs> Forever, and yeah. It's like, and I and I can catch myself sometimes where I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, and I can do this, and this, and like, like, oh okay, I need to like, I need to stop, step away, put check this yourself. idea down yeah. for a second. And sometimes I pick it back up, and it's like a really great idea. But you know, sometimes it's many times it's not though. So I, f- I find that more, more and more to that I need to kind of check myself when I become when I recognize a certain amount of passion that mm-hmm. might be excessive to. The idea, you know, and that's a little bit vague, and I I don't know how else to explain it. But it's, it just seems like there's there's something in that. Like when I were, um, uh, there's so many things in that area. It's weird. It it
0: reminds me of the the simple, um, sort of, uh, matching game that you play with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so card game there's two identical ca- of each a- of every card and you lay them all out and then you mm-hmm. take turns turning one card over at a time until mm-hmm. you find matches right yeah there's something about that effect that's great of you get excited about something and emotionally invested in something and at some point you go wait I felt this way before mm-hmm. how did that go where did that take me and at that point you have the opportunity to say, have I seen this card before? Mm -hmm. Basically. And sometimes you don't, you just go, it failed last time, but you know, screw it. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think in a, in a time when we are receiving almost nonverbal, emotional instruction, it's not nonverbal. I mean, it it is written and said through our social media networks, but it's not, unless you really take the time to understand everything that's being said, which is nearly impossible. You just Mm -hmm. sort of get the, the smell of it Mm -hmm. that that turns into an emotional response.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, what's it?
2: It's training.
0: It's training. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to have some pattern matching recognition Mm -hmm. going to say, what was this feeling? When did I feel this way before? What do I know more about that one that gave me that feeling in the first place, and mm-hmm. is that a valid road to go down emotionally?
1: Totally. Well, there's a certain amount of like roadmaps that you have. I know, you know, throughout philosophy, like I study philosophy in high school and college, and then uh, you know, since then, and and it's like you start building yourself a roadmap. Oh, this sounds very Nietzschean. This is this is kind of nihilistic. This mm-hmm. is you know, this has an optimistic type of uh, 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 utopian sort of idea to it. And so you start kind of like being able to kind of like map these things. And again, you have to make these judgments and stuff like that. Um, but I think that's the part we need to be able to do. And I think we're not doing it in our schools anymore is teaching critical thinking or critical feeling. You know, right. it's like, it's more of an indoctrination. You know, I'm starting to see it with um, like in elementary school with our kids and stuff like that. It's like, you know, instead of like think, you know, how to do some of the basics. Because like right now they're in that area where it's like, we need to teach you some of the basics before you can start getting into more of the critical or the critical thinking parts of it, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I feel like we're starting to throw some indoctrination that's really meant for more critical thinking than, <laughs> than on the early stages. I, I think I'm getting us off topic a little bit here, but no, I don't think so. So, so what are the, what are some of the basics that need
0: to be taught? Maybe, maybe it would be good to sort of oh. think through some of those. I'm curious what comes to your mind.
1: Well, okay. So there, there there's certain things that are, that I've, I've learned that I personally will will take on, but but I think as far as I think as a public type of type of uh, a public school and stuff like that, like I think in public schools, they need to teach the Quran. They need to teach the Bible. Hmm. They need to teach Buddhism. I mean, these are foundational aspects to the cultures that have come up through and in many other things, and we kind of tiptoe around those ideas. But those cultural, religious phenomena—I mean, like so much has been built on top of that—and hmm. uh, we don't teach that. So I think that's something, and to do in a generous way, because a lot of times, with the depending on who who you are, like in your own viewpoints of those subjects, uh, people are just not very well versed on on those kind of foundational documents. I mean, all the philosophers are a lot of the philosophers. It's true. Philosophy isn't taught. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so that's the, that's the next level too, is philosophy. Yeah. Like being able to break down the, you know, history philosophy, like when I, when you, that's the first thing you do in college is one and two, you know, uh, I think that should be, have a really simplistic outline of that history and philosophy. Did you, did you see that, um, I don't know
0: enough to name names or mm-hmm. be specific, but there's a um, somebody I think in Illinois is calling for history to be no longer taught in uh, uh, pre-K through 12. <laughs> oh God. Really? In a good way? Or is it like just in, until a new history can be written to replace it. Oh my God. Just stop t- teaching it altogether. That's I. Just I just keep thinking, can we get any more Orwellian? I, yeah. I it's going to stop, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing we have to, we have, and that's a part of learning is there, there's, there's quite a different, there's a lot of different narratives. There's there's a native, native American perspective of people coming into the new world, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's also those who are fleeing from persecution or whatever else from, you know, Denmark or Holland or, you know, numerous other places, you know, uh, and then there's also the, the part of the, um, You know where it was like just looking to make money and get rich you know Mm -hmm. there's so many different elements to this that if we start framing it around one narrative then i think that's it's really we're we're in trouble there you know it's like there's the whole slavery slavery narrative too Mm -hmm. i mean there's layer upon layer upon layer and that's the way we need to teach history is that hey there's many things happening from here yeah if anything you get out of this there's a lot of different perspectives here and to say that one is better than the other or you know it's just really complicated and we need to understand the complexity behind that right which we're trying to we're trying to drive this narrative that's just too unidimensional that's just Ridiculous. And certainly, the <clears throat> solution is not to stop teaching history, but yeah, totally. to, to teach more history. <laughs> teach more history yeah. and like bring in the different perspectives.
0: But I like this uh, idea of sort of like what are the the basic foundations we need with mm. in in with w- with which to encounter the world mm-hmm. in a in a in a, well, a way that allows for critical thinking and critical feeling. I yeah. think one that came to my mind is uh, you need. I think as especially as a, a young, per, a young person going through schooling hmm. to practice restating things in your own words.
1: I think it should be verbally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's something that, but they created like the school that the kids go to, they have a, a, a sim, somewhat simple oh, setup like that. <laughs> and it's really cool, but it's really, you have to have really good teachers to facilitate that. Yeah. Because kids have to be able to feel comfortable and also challenged. Yeah.
0: But I think it's something we can we can practice outside of school. Yeah. I mean, even with this, you know, as we are encountering these sets of emotional instructions would sound confusing. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you read something and you think that doesn't sound quite right, but it's not clear why.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Try, try restating it in your own words. Mm. And it will reveal to you first your own structures of thought and how you process things Mm -hmm. because you've got to change the words and you start seeing how you're slotting this thing into, into categories in your brain. And, then that will help you also interrogate the thing that was confusing you to say, why isn't it matching the categories in my brain? Mm. And maybe the fault is on yours, or maybe the fault is on the thing that you're reading, and then you can say, this is a bad idea, and then dismiss it. Or maybe I have changes that I need to make in the way that I think about things. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really valuable exercise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I also think, I've been encountering this a lot, I, I think, is that it's really important to be able to Encounter an idea, extrapolate a moral, hmm. build a model around that moral, and then okay. apply it to a different situation to understand whether or not the implied moral from the original situation has value. Hmm. Um, that was a little bit complex, Yeah, the way that it's described that, but I, I think an example of that which maybe I'm hesitant to get into, but uh, you know, let's go for it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Kristen Bell came out maybe a month ago and, and announced that she was no longer going to be voicing uh, oh, okay. the voice of a character on a, carto- a cartoon show mm-hmm. because the skin color of the character on the show was not white, and Kristen Bell is white, and that this was very wrong, that she should never have been have done it. She's very sorry. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, what's going on here? What is this? Um, why would the color of a voice actor's skin be relevant to anything about the character that they're voicing
2: mm-hmm.
0: in a in a fictional show? Um, so, what is the moral that we have here, which is that? You can't understand the lived experience of somebody else whose skin color does not match your own. So, who, how who are you to think that you can reasonably voice a character that has color of a different skin? Um. So the moral is, in this case, because remember we're talking about art here, um, that you should not participate in art i'm so in the weeds already
1: (laughs) yeah no you should not
0: participate in art which is let me give it a try and you can kind of correct me yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. well so i I feel like where you're going with this is that if that applies like you don't fit this certain characteristic so you can't play that certain part or create that certain uh, aspect that oh shoot i just lost it too um yeah, so I mean, what, like, what is art? Then you have to stick within the parameters that you already know and that you already are. So mm-hmm. there's no creativeness in that. It's like you are a white lady who is upper class. So you can only play an upper class white lady who is 32. How right. old she is? Right. It's like you start you start narrowing those confines. It's like what? That's not really art. That's like I mean, art. You're you're exploring other people's like way other people think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing with philosophy. It's like yeah, you don't even want to. I don't even want to okay. take it
0: that far yet. Okay, gotcha. Um, I, I want to try to es- extract the stated moral first, mm. like the moral of this, because yeah. there is a moral in it. That Chris, Chris, Kristen Bell was saying this was really wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Why is it wrong? It's wrong mm-hmm. because there is a moral, and the moral is that you should not be portraying people who are different than you. Yeah, <clears throat> um, and and the emotional instruction that's coming from this from her statement is very clear and she's very applauded for this, but okay. What if, so once we extract extract that moral, can we test, we can test the validity of that moral Mm -hmm. by applying it to other situations. So the first thing that came to my head is that um, I really hope this makes this next statement makes people more angry than some of the other things (laughs) that maybe I've said. (laughs) Um, So John Mayer is one of the best blues guitar players to ever live in my Mm -hmm. opinion certainly one of the best performing solo or uh, publicly right now. Well, what? Okay. So let's apply this moral. So you should not portray, how do we state it? You should not portray through art things, which you are not.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Blues music was primarily invented and pioneered by primarily black people. Mm -hmm. John Mayer is one of the whitest boys I've ever seen. So is John Mayer not allowed to play the blues. Hmm. So I think immediately you start to feel that like, wait, that doesn't feel right. So is there, so why does my moral not work here, but it's felt okay there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I could see people arguing with you that probably not, you know, it's like that he shouldn't, play the blues. he shouldn't play the blues. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with it, but right. Yeah. But I,
0: I think that my point is that there is something different. Those two situations feel different. The second, and I, I would argue, feels a bit more absurd than the first.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's the same moral. Yeah. So I think that to be able to, in, to to interrogate, um, you know, what it is that's going on when we're feeling this thing, mm-hmm. we're feeling. Kristen Bell was really wrong. I feel really glad that she is making a change. Like, there's a lot of positive things that you can say. She's making making space for actors of other colors who might have been marginalized previously. Um, there's a lot of a good—it's sort of a lot of good things that you can imagine coming out of this moral. Mm-hmm. But if we don't interrogate the moral and apply it to other situations and say how does this hold up, all of a sudden we start we start rolling it out, and the consequences are
1: unknown. Well, that was the part I was, I was thinking of. Like, what is this logical consequence? That that type of thinking, that way of thinking—it's mm-hmm. like you really do. I heard—I um, forgot her name. She was talking about how like if if someone's playing a handicapped character or someone that's autistic they like hiring people that are autistic or handicapped to fit, fill those roles and it's like i don't think there's anything wrong with it with that you know it's like but at the same time it's like i don't think like there's anything wrong with an actor playing somebody who is handicapped too it's like right it's like that's part of acting well so
0: so here's my favorite example that i've come up with mm-hmm. to try to to try to apply the moral in a way that completely breaks down okay. and it's acting specific. It's like, so who voices Darth Vader then? Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about a character that absolutely no one can relate to because he exists in a galaxy that never existed in a time that doesn't, <laughs> and never existed. You know, you've got, um, you've got a black man voicing, Darth Vader, who is a character that only shows his skin like once mm-hmm. and he happens to be white, whether he's white because he's not exposed to enough, you know, it's like, who knows what race has to do with anything. in that's mm-hmm. so, so our moral all of a sudden finds nothing to bite onto in that case. Mm-hmm. And we would just have to make some arbitrary, you'd, we'd have to use the moral arbitrarily to decide who voices what. Yeah. Which we all
1: agree that his voice was the perfect voice for Darth Vader. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. What was
1: his name? I'm blanking on it. Uh, uh, Earl Jones. Uh, James Earl. James Earl Jones. Yeah. 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 The perfect
0: voice. Yeah. Because it was his voice that mattered. Yeah. Not his lived. Ex- not James Earl, Earl Jones' lived experience, mm-hmm. or the color of his skin, or the experience based on the color of his skin, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was his voice. That's what we wanted. Yeah. Um. That's what the character needed. So. Yeah, I, I think we should remember that it is important that we have art specifically so that we have an opportunity to get out of our own heads and our Mm -hmm. own experiences and understand other people. I mean, this is what art does for us. Mm -hmm. It allows us to enter the lived experience of someone else.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like the, the little bit I do with like developing characters, you know, I, I try to like see through this person's eyes. So I develop a character and I try to put this character into a situation right. and I try to look through it And it's like, And then I re- go back and read it and I was like, ah, oh, that doesn't feel right. You know, it's like, yeah. and so there's something that's very valuable for people to be able to play characters or
0: out, yes. uh, out
1: of their maybe demographic or whatever, however you want to. You know whether you're gay lesbian trans man woman color whatever mm-hmm. it's like it's very valuable for us to write characters as well as play characters that are outside of our norms so that we can try to understand it's an attempt at empathy also it's yeah. like trying to understand um, uh, where how other people see you know the world you know it's like for me to play like a someone who grew up in the slums of, of Brazil or something like that. It's like, I like, what would that look like? Like, how would I be? And then to explore that idea, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I have no clue. And the, the only way to do that is to put yourself in that person's yeah. the best you can, you know? But I think that's, it's hard because it's like, I understand the other, I understand the other parts, like giving opportunities to people. And I I, I get that but i feel like there's something disingenuous about it also at the same time like when you're talking about you know so an nba should you give people the opportunity no my I mean, you know, right? too much in the way <laughs> too much in the way does that, i think that's too much of maybe a strong well, I mean, man I, or something I, like that i don't know
0: yeah i just want
1: to i just want to
0: reiterate that it is absolutely necessary to human health and development to for art To exist. And that is not art to be consumed only. It is art to be made, art Mm -hmm. to be participated in, and art to be consumed. Mm -hmm. And the entire idea is to explore things which you're not. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's transcendent and that's why we're all drawn to it. And if we start making rules around who gets to do what art and for what reasons, I think we will severely hurt ourselves culturally, technologically, and morally mm-hmm. moving forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with like food too, you know, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, how we like appropriating certain foods or whatever, it's like, you know, you know, whether it be Italian food, it can only Italians make Italian food. You know, it's like, I think there's a lot of things that are that are, are becoming a lot more complicated today because we are, such a mingling, you know, culturally and ethnically and racially. And, and those lines are going to become more and more blurred. And I think they kind of should be too, at the same point. But, and again, I'm also, I'm also kind of, there's a certain amount of uh, like preservation too, of culture. And I don't know how we do both those things. Cause I think it's kind of a both and kind of place, you know, it's like yeah. where you have, the preservation of cultures, but then also allowing them to infect other cultures, you know, and develop new cultures. I mean, that's a, that's history right there. Yeah. How I'm, did
0: culture develop in the first place? Yeah. It's,
1: like a, it's a mingling. And then and you try things yeah. and you,
0: what's good and mm-hmm. why is it good? And yeah. 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 I, people need, people need to be free. They need to be free to try and explore and imagine. Um, but I, I think that any infringement on on the imagining and exploring, I mean, that's been some of the most troubling things to me about this, about what I have been seeing happen um, immediately in the wake of, of George Floyd,
2: mm-hmm.
0: is there is an attack on the freedom of thought and, um, and imagination. Um, we talked briefly about canceling history. There's been um more and more talk about canceling stem altogether um i don't think people
1: i don't think people think that's real
0: like i don't i, I don't I, think people think it's real either but i'm seeing it more and more it's it's going to try to be real
1: yeah and i think that's the hard thing is there are some of these things that are tiptoeing mm-hmm. into mainstream culture that can seem almost I mean, just even talking about this, I can, I wholly, I can already see like <laughs> what this sounds like. But, but again, I think Brett, oh, Brett Weinstein from Evergreen, like what happened on that campus and that's worth looking into if you've never heard of that. Um, like some of those yeah, ideas, If you haven't heard that,
0: go to YouTube. There's a, there's like an hour and a half three part series by mm-hmm. Mike Nana. We'll put it in the notes. We'll put it in the notes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Continue.
1: Yeah. Um, that there's these things that are kind of tiptoeing on the outside that, that are not again it's just depending on the different streams of media that you pay attention to and i think that's mm-hmm. i think that's the hard thing because we all and i'm included in this want to think that i have the cornerstone on truth or viewpoint
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so like so i don't mind i don't mind being challenged on this and i think it's worth being challenged on but i do see these ideas that are happening and, and you know, how people are reporting like writers versus protest. It's like both those things are happening, but depending on who you go to for your news, Mm -hmm. it's either going to be framed as rioting or as protest. Right. And when you give them both a good look, it's like you see people that are very genuine and they're protesting and they really want to see, you know, change, you know, and that's the, we won't go into all the, the change part of that. Uh, Cause I, I think there's a lot of things that even within that people disagree on what that change is, you know, but there's an earnestness there, you know? Uh, but then you have a rioting aspect to these things that are, it's real too, mm-hmm. and it's happening. And, uh, and you know, that's not, that's not really good <laughs> and it's not healthy and it's and and no, there's a lot of gnarly things happening as a
0: part of the mm-hmm. the writing.
1: But but again, it's like just depending on your 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 information intake, it's what you're getting. And so that's the part that really concerns me is that I'm afraid that you know I'm afraid. I'm not really afraid. I'm concerned that we will like what narratives kind of take over here. You know, it's like the people who are genuine and and honest and interested and acting in good faith. It's like, I want them, whoever, however you believe, whatever you believe, I want that to be the narrative. You know, I think people acting in good faith is, is a, I think is a place that's good to go, you know, no matter what your view, whether you're a conservative or liberal or what, um, But then there's this destructive part that is sort of like a chaotic aspect that you don't really, there's not really anything that they're fighting for. And I think then they also take on a lot of the same, um, a lot of the same banners that some of the people who are genuine, they take on those same banners, but they don't mean the same thing. Yeah. The swap in meaning is, is a a
0: concerning trend. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you seen this, uh, two plus two equals five mm-hmm. thing going around? Mm-hmm. This, this is the, I think the greatest example, a working example of what these things we're talking about. We're talking, mm-hmm. you were talking about, um, you know, sort of things tiptoeing into the mainstream and you just don't even think that they'll become real cause they seem so absurd. And all of a sudden they sort of like land and expand and deploy mm-hmm. and they're there and you've got politicians fighting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, This two plus two equals five is such a great example because it's so absurd, but you have in earnest academics arguing about this (laughs) and, and what, so that's, this is one of these things I think that we've, we were talking about, it's like, what is going on here Mm -hmm. and what is the, it's like the emotional instruction I'm getting from this is like, this is stupid. Yeah. Like who would ever. Right. Yeah. But there's clearly something going on there, and what is going on? What's the same thing with science is white? Right. It's like, what? It's like, hold up. That doesn't make
1: any It holds no water at all.
0: Yeah. So, James Lindsay wrote an 8,400 word essay (laughs) on what's going on with two plus two equals five, and I would highly recommend reading it. I sent it to you the other day. I know, I haven't read it yet. It's (laughs) long. I felt I feel bad even recommending it to people because it's long, but I, th- I really do think it's worth reading because it makes the point of what's going on here, yeah. and what's going on here is not about whether or not two plus two can equal five. It's about something much bigger and more expansive. Yeah. It's a it's a claim that objectivity does not exist, and if objectivity does not exist, the the saying the same thing and having different meanings is now the name of the game in every place all the time. Yeah. And that is psychosis.
1: Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing for you and I, especially I think in all this is as we're trying to work our way through this is that we couldn't understand in one context, people were using it, these ideas in one way. And then in another context, this way and to be able to parse those things out it's like who has the time for that mm-hmm. I mean that's I think that's the that's the difficult thing and right. once you start getting rid of objectivity you know no matter of like you know we have a subjective experience of something objective you know it's like okay that makes sense but if it's just all subjective mm-hmm. I mean you're really left with nothing you're left with just madness it's a power struggle that's all it it's is it's just all it is yeah and so it doesn't matter if you're a white supremacist, a black supremacist, uh, you know, a Zionist, or whatever it is, as long as your ideology gains power, then that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's taking us right back to, you know, Nazi Germany, right back to uh, Maoist China. I mean, it's like I just think that's it's just really dangerous. It's
0: well. Yeah, historically, very Mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. It is this this power struggle, which was, um, you know, Marx's big idea Mm -hmm. that has lulled so many. um, Whether that comes through um, Maoism or Soviet Russian communism, um, ultimately Italian fascism, Mm -hmm. these were all lovers of Marx Mm -hmm. and hundreds and hundreds of millions p- of people died yeah. as a result of power struggles. And I think that there is a... Whatever the underlying philosophy is beneath the emotional instruction, or at least one set of the instructions from mm-hmm. um, from what we're getting, it's easy enough to not take the time <clears throat> to go make sense of all of that. Um, I don't feel like I have the time to do it. Sure. I, I, yeah. I Every day feel exhausted from the bit that I do and I want it. And I wish that I could do more because I do feel like I need to understand what is coming. And I I think what is coming is whatever the philosophy that's under the set of emotional instructions that says two plus two equals five, there is a philosophy underneath it. And the thing is you don't need to understand the philosophy to Mm -hmm. get into it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You just need to see someone with credential support the fact that two plus two can equal five Mm -hmm. and the philosophy seeps its way in um but that philosophy is you you really put it right it it is all about power Mm -hmm. is it is a because that's all that ends up being left is a power struggle yeah and that is a road we can't afford to to experiment with
1: especially when you start going i mean again i kind of want to there's a part that i really want to kind of if we can maybe end with is more Mm -hmm. of like what is it that we want to do? Like move towards, you know, I think of like, again, an MLK vision, a Gandhi vision, a Ma- Nelson Mandela vision, yeah. you know, a Jesus vision, um, uh, you know, even a Western, Oh, that, that's too broad. Um, but again, it's this idea of like, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's like, how do you build a community where that encourages you to treat people as your brother and sister you know it's like whether you agree with them or not like families are messy you know it's like but you're still family you know it, it's it, you can't you can't never get rid of that so yeah. i think that's something that is how do you build so there has to be a certain amount of freedom and responsibility wow that's I, that was one of the topics i wanted to get into tonight we might have to say up for next time but uh victor frankel talks about like we should have you know lady liberty on the on the east coast and a uh, you know lady responsibility or man responsibility on the on the west coast because mm-hmm. I think there 's something really with that that and something that 's genius about the United States and how we've, how we 've uh, orchestrated things is that there has to be that tension because without that tension mm-hmm. it leads to tyranny you know or chaos
0: maybe that's a great place to wrap it up yeah. I, I do think that that is. Such a great visual icon for the message of the ideal of America. I mean, the Statue of Liberty represents something the world had never seen. Mm-hmm. The implicit cost is responsibility. Yeah. And maybe we should erect a monument to that. And maybe that would be the balancing force that keeps us together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I, yeah. When you talk to Elon and just see if he'll uh, do like a, <laughs> or our Peter Thiel or, <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> Bill Gates or somebody has yeah. some cash. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so, our Good friends, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So you said something about the tension and and you're referring, oh. I think in that word to something that, that Viktor Frankl described, which is that we are always that, that mental health requires being continually in a state of tension Mm. between who we have been and who we are and who we might be.
1: Mm -hmm. And also the tension just between even like you see that in a lot of the things we do policy wise is like freedom and, um, uh, and safety, you know, it's like to be really, really safe is is to kind of have more and more controls and rules. And as long as everyone follows the the rules, then you're safe. You know, quotation yeah. marks. But people are like that's just that's just deadening. You know, it's like people can't live that way. They they need some amount of freedom to express and to act. You know, yeah. So. I think I'm taking us into another topic here. So it's difficult not to do. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, why don't we
0: leave it there for today?
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Yeah. Um, thanks for listening everybody again. Uh, we are trying to figure out what the shirk and twerk cocktail is.
1: Yeah. So help us on this. <laughs> yeah. So help us on this journey. Yeah. Do it. So you gotta make a, uh, a cocktail drink for us. Tell us what it is put it on your Instagram. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, Making it and tag us in it and, or DM us. Yeah, please
0: do. Uh, Please give us a follow on Instagram. That's our main Mm -hmm. uh, social media, only social media right now. We're trying to get our YouTube uh, a little bit more consistent. Um, But please, if if you enjoy these episodes, please share them Mm -hmm. with your friends send a link, post it to your Instagram story whatever, you know, however you like to do that, it really does make a difference,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, in, in trying to grow something like this. Yeah. So, and we, and we'd love to grow it because we love doing it. We'd love, uh, to have more people involved in the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so please give us a shout.
1: Yeah. I think that's too one of the reasons behind growing it is we feel like we could have more inter- interaction, yeah. you know, and that's something that we would like to, to have. Um, we don't necessarily want
0: to be just an echo chamber of Matt and Mike's <laughs> thoughts. So, you called me Mike. That's awesome. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Why did I do that? I know, that's funny. Um, sorry, Michael. <laughs> no. I Allison, I was talking about this week. Anyway, it's a whole other whole thing. Episode 38. <laughs> okay. I think we're on 38. Oh, we are? Yep. This is 38.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. 39. Okay. All right. Cheers, you guys. Yeah, thank you guys. See you next time. Love. Bye. <laughs> that's funny.